That chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swing it a fly ball, left center field deep. Back goes Robles to the warning track. At the wall, he leaps, he can't get it. It's off the wall in play. Mancini to second, he'll make the turn and hold there. Scoring easily was Suzuki, and the Cubs lead 2 to nothing. Gore kicks it, delivers a swing and a long drive to left center field. Call is back to the warning track. At the wall, he leaps and can't get it. It is gone, goodbye. Into the visitors' bullpen right over the 377 foot marker. Dansby Swanson with his second home run of the year is a two run shot. And the Cubs add two here at the top of the fifth. It's now Chicago four and Washington one. I think a lot, a lot of his misses today, and when I go back tonight and watch the game, were more over the plate. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So we on Monday night at Nationals Park had a starting pitching matchup of a guy named Smiley versus a guy named Gore. And fitting enough, each guy ended up having a night worthy of his last name. Smiley's performance was worthy of smiles, and Gore's performance was maybe not gory, but uh, certainly not good. A 5-1 loss for the Nats to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a four-game series. Nats now 10-18. and Mark, I guess we maybe have become spoiled to an extent by Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray lately, so we expect really good outings. And when we don't get a really good outing, we're disappointing. Mackenzie Gore was excellent in his last start. He was not excellent on Monday night. No, he wasn't. But I think that was actually my takeaway from this, Al, that the bar has been raised in both guys' cases to the extent that when they do have an off night like this was, it surprises you. That's a good thing. And now if it starts happening too regularly, it's not going to be surprising. That changes the narrative there. But I think for the most part, If Mackenzie Gore giving up four runs and four plus innings is considered a really bad start and not the kind of thing that you expect from him, that means he's doing pretty well. And so I I tend to look at it this way. Now, you hope it's a blip, kind of like the one in Anaheim was a few weeks ago, and that you come back five days from now and 10 days from now and say, hey, he's still pitching really well. And this was just the one outlier in an otherwise really strong season. 
Yeah, you know, I was reminding myself while watching the game of like, this is such a long season and so many things can change and there are so many ups and downs. I mean, there is nothing like the 162 in Major League Baseball. This was only Mackenzie Gore's sixth start of the season. Like, who knows what's going to happen the rest of this month and June and July and August. I mean, I think back to the last two seasons, Eric Fetty over his first nine, 10 starts each season looked really good. And then each season he fell apart. So it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. So you really do have to pace yourself. You have to constantly remind yourself of, hey, you know, one day at a time, one and know every day, as Davey tells us. But yeah, I mean, the body of work so far from both Gray and Gore has been so good that when Gore doesn't throw a gem now, you are kind of let down, which I guess to your point does say something very good about Mackenzie Gore. You can find us on our new website, natschatpodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the podcast. You can contact the show. You can also get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. Also, we encourage you, if you have like, you know, 30 seconds to kill, to give the podcast a five-star rating. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And uh, on Apple, you can write a review of the podcast. doesn't have to be long, but the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So five-star rating and a nice review if you have the time. And we very much do appreciate those things. So Mackenzie Gore in this game on Monday night, four runs in four innings. He gave up seven hits, a homer, three doubles, and three singles. He issued two walks recorded four strikeouts, ended up with a sky-high pitch count. Uh, He, over his four innings, threw a whopping 102 pitches. Top of the first, he gave up two runs, actually retired the first two batters he faced, but then gave up three consecutive two-out hits and committed a throwing error. That was costly, a two-out throwing error on a pickoff attempt at first base, allowing Seiya Suzuki to advance from first to third. Suzuki had authored a two-out opposite field RBI single, and then came a two-out RBI double by Trey Mancini off the left center field wall for a 2-0 Cubs lead. And then Gore in the top of the fifth allowed two runs, gave up a leadoff single by Nico Horner, gave up a two-run home run by Dansby Swanson in the Cubs bullpen in left field for a 4-1 Cubs lead, and then issued a walk of Cody Bellinger. And then got pulled from the game. So Gore did not even record an out in that fifth inning. It was uh, notable, I thought, Davey Martinez in his postgame press conference with you guys very much emphasized the extent to which the Cubs were fouling off pitches off Gore in this game. The most surprising thing about this start to me, I had gotten the sense as long as we've been watching him that Mackenzie Gore's struggles usually come because he can't find the strike zone. He's walking batters. His command is way off. That wasn't the case tonight. They were on him. They were hitting him. 66 strikes out of 102 pitches is not bad at all. And like you said, they were fouling a lot off, driving up long pitch counts. I think this is a little bit of a weird start in that regard. They hit him a little bit. It still it wasn't awful, but they were kind of on everything that made me feel like they were seeing the ball really well. Maybe they picked up on some stuff from him. I don't know. But in, in a way, it's good to see that he wasn't that far off with his command. He made, he regretted like a couple of pitches. The home run pitch was down the pipe and that hurt him. He said his off-speed stuff wasn't really as sharp as he wanted it to be. And yet, you know, he goes into the fifth inning, they're down 2-1 and I'm thinking, well, if he can somehow get through this one, they're very much still in the game. It fell apart there for him with those three batters. David decided to pull the plug because the pitch count was so high. But yeah, what struck me was, and maybe this is the reason that you just give more credit to the Cubs in this case, then blame Mackenzie Gore because they had some really good professional at-bats. This is a lineup that entered the day leading the National League in batting average, on-base, OPS. They've been very good, kind of quietly so. Maybe they do deserve credit for it, and it's not so much that this was a bad start by Gore, but just a good performance by the Cubs lineup. 
Yeah, the Cubs are an interesting team, 15 and 13 now on the season, but the run differential is plus 47. This is a team that has played pretty well. And so I don't think that there's like great shame in Gore having some issues against this Cubs lineup in this game on Monday night. I guess, you know, you would pair this with the outing he had out west, that game at the Angels, April 12th, a 3-2 loss. Uh, Gore in that game lasted for just three and two-thirds innings, gave up two runs, issued four walks. But I remember us having the conversation after that game of kind of like what we're having right now. Well, if this is the worst of Gore, we certainly could live with that. And, you know, kind of sneakily, Gore did have four strikeouts in four innings on Monday night. So if you're into tracking his strikeouts per nine innings, which I am, but I have no life, Gore, 39 strikeouts in 31 innings this season. The guy does continue to be a strikeout pitcher. Even in a game in which the Cubs were on him, he still averaged a strikeout per inning. Right. And he's pumping 97. The stuff appeared to be good. The other kind of weird thing about this, he got off to a great start. He gets two quick ground ball outs in the first inning, gives up a soft single to Cody Bellinger where they weren't in a shift, but they were, by today's standards, it was kind of a shift, like it was hit to where the shortstop would normally be. The next thing you know, the inning's spiraling out of control on him, and he gives up a stolen base, an RBI single, and then Mancini's RBI double off the wall. He's one pitch away from getting out of that inning really quickly. And also had a pitch on the borderline that could have been strike three that would have ended the first inning very early on. And things kind of fell apart after that. So, yeah, I mean, stuff was good, 97 miles an hour. Like you said, he's still striking out batters. I think it really boiled down to, number one, the Cubs' ability just to extend at bats. And then number two, a couple of pitches that came back to bite him, maybe the Mancini double and the Swanson homer. But, you know, we've seen some bad starts out of this rotation over the last few years that we've been doing this podcast. Again, if this is Mackenzie Gore at his worst, that's okay. I think they can live with that. Yeah, you'd love for him to go a little deeper in the game, but they were not out of it. And if they had any semblance of an offensive attack against Drew Smiley, they were very much in this game. Sadly, they had nothing going at the plate tonight. No, they did not. The Nationals in this game were as they have been at times this season, although as we noted in the previous installment of the podcast, offense actually hasn't been as bad as it may seem. The offense just has been really bad in terms of hitting home runs. But the Nats on Monday night, one run, a mere six hits, no walks, 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. I mean, this maybe captures the offensive ineptitude as much as anything. The Nats' six hits all came from three guys, Lane Thomas, Dominic Smith, and Luis Garcia. That was it. Now, Lane Thomas did finally hit a home run. That was good. Lane Thomas in an Nats one-run second, a two-out first pitch, solo home run to center field. And this was some shot, 424 feet per stat cast. You know, we have not harped on this all that much, I guess because we've had other Nats on whom we have harped for their lack of power. But Lane Thomas, last season, 17 home runs. This was his first home run so far this season. And, you know, it's not like he was really struggling, especially earlier in the season. I I remember saying to you, I think Lane Thomas actually been the most consistent hitter on this team, but he wasn't hitting for power and he had not hit a home run uh, until this game on Monday night. Good to see Dom Smith have a good game. You know, Dominic Smith has somewhat quietly been dropped in the batting order here lately. He was the number seven batter in this game on Monday night, but he went three for three with a double and a couple of singles. Bottom of the fifth, a leadoff double to the right center field gap. And Luis Garcia on Monday night as an Nats number two batter, two for four, had a double and a single. Bottom of the third at two out, opposite field double uh, to left field. But no doubt, Drew Smiley, for the most part, had his way with this Nats lineup. He had the meeting out of his hand, and there were a lot of quick outs, short at bats. 
They drew zero walks. And yeah, you give Smiley credit for throwing the ball over the plate, but they were not making solid contact aside from those couple guys that you just mentioned. Really low pitch count. I mean, he was pulled at 84 pitches after seven innings. I would imagine he could have kept going if they wanted to. But I want to talk about Garcia and Smith in particular. I do think that was a good sign, both of them against the lefty having success. Garcia batted second against the lefty. That's a show of confidence from Davey Martinez. And he's actually hit better against lefties this year than righties up in the 290s, I think was the batting average. So I like that. And Dom Smith quietly Six for his last 12, and three of the hits are extra bases. We said, went all that time without any extra base hits. Then he hits the double, his first homer of the season, and now another double, and this one off a lefty. Way too soon to proclaim anything. He's got to do this over a longer stretch of time, but a little bit of a sign there that he may be starting to figure some things out and not just collect hits, but some hits for power, which, of course, they desperately need. No question. You know, we spent pretty much all of last Nats season waiting on a veteran acquisition to start doing well, and he never did well, talking about Nelson Cruz. Maybe here with Dominic Smith, you know, maybe with a Jamer Candelario, at some point, one, if not both, does truly get going here this season. I really liked the single that Smith had, bottom of the seventh, two out, opposite field single, so going the opposite way. So yeah, we are seeing some better things there with Dominic Smith. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, Nat Chat listeners. Tim Shovers here, producer of the podcast, to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to these shouldn't be stressful. That's why you should look into the Game Time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now Abbott working quickly, winds and delivers, swinging a long drive to right. Back goes Thomas, way back, warning track, looking up, it is gone, goodbye. Two rows deep over the 14-foot, 8-inch wall and into the seats. Ian Happ has homered for the Cubs here at the top of the ninth inning. It's now Chicago 5 and Washington 1. All right, now to the number one mystery in Washington, D.C. right now. Who will be the Nationals' starting pitcher on Wednesday night in Game 3 of this series? This saga took quite the turn on Monday. So, first of all, the Nats' bullpen in this game on Monday night. Three relievers combined to allow one run in five innings. The bullpen actually did a pretty good job in this game of keeping the game close, or at least relatively close. So, the three relievers who ended up being utilized, Mason Thompson, Thaddeus Ward, and Corey Abbott. The Nats earlier on Monday recalled Corey Abbott from AAA Rochester. This is the corresponding roster move to the team putting Chad Cool on the 15-day injured list, retroactive to Sunday, with a right foot injury. So, you know, you have this Cool scenario. He has a right foot issue, and it's not like it's a made-up issue because he was checked on at one point during his last start. But, I mean, we know the deal with Chad Cool. He's struggling His wife is dealing with breast cancer right now. So I'm interested in your take on that. Was this kind of a convenient meeting of reality, but also uh, circumstance and convenience? And, you know, it's an ailment, but maybe it's not an IL-worthy ailment. So there was that. 
And then there was what ended up happening in this game. So Abbott gets called up. We all kind of presume, okay, he'll be the guy who will start for the Nats on Wednesday night. And then in this game, Mason Thompson was the first reliever out there. He came into the game top of the fifth, runner on first, nobody out. He faced three batters, got three outs, only threw 13 pitches, had two strikeouts, and then he very interestingly was out of the game. Thaddeus Ward came into the game. He tossed two scoreless innings. And then Abbott came into the game, and he ended up pitching for two innings. He gave up a run. He gave up a run in the top of the ninth on a leadoff home run by Ian Happ. But he ended up throwing 34 pitches. So presumably Abbott will not be starting Wednesday night. Although, I don't know, I guess maybe he could start, but only pitch like two innings, three innings. A lot to take in here. Uh, Have at it, however you want. But man, (laughs) the great mystery continues. There's a lot to digest there. Yeah. All right. Let's go through this one at a time. Let's start with the cool injury. I do think it is legitimate. We never asked about it after the game that night, but he did get visited by the trainer. We could tell something had gone wrong. He threw a warm-up pitch, said he was fine, and stayed in the game. What happened was this. He and Vince Velasquez, the pirate starter for that night, both right-handers, both were throwing from the exact same spot off the rubber. And Velasquez, not intentionally, just the way he was pitching and the way his delivery is, had dug a little hole right in front of the rubber that cool foot fell into the same thing. And so when he threw a couple of pitches, he said his big toe, like he called it like a sprain essentially. And he felt it. It was like a shot of pain up his foot. And that's what the trainer saw. That's why they came out and talked to him. And Chad Cool, as he said, a few years back with the Pirates, he said, he pitched the rest of an inning with a torn elbow ligament before coming out of a game. So he says, I'm not going to come out of that game because my toe hurt. And certainly not in the second half of a doubleheader where he knew they needed innings from him. So he stayed in there. The results were not very good, as we saw. He wasn't trying to blame this for the results, not saying it's because of the foot issue, but I think it is a legitimate thing. Now, if he's pitching great, maybe you get you, know, you fight your way through it. No big deal. Under the circumstances, yeah, put him on the IL, give him 15 days. Maybe he can work with Jim Hickey on some things before he comes back from that. So that's the injury part of it. Now, the calling up of Abbott would seem to have indicated, okay, he'll be the guy to take the place and make the start on Wednesday. It lined up perfectly for him. He struck out 12 in his last start with Rochester, seemed to line up perfectly. But then you're thinking, well, why would he be available out of the bullpen if he's going to start in a few days? And if they needed relief help, why not call up a reliever for a few days and then swap him out for Abbott come Wednesday? So what I'm left with there is this, and I I don't have a firm answer on this, but I get the sense that they never really did intend for Abbott to make that start. They brought him up because they wanted somebody who would give him a couple innings in a situation like this and that there is still another move to come. They've got their options of a lot of different guys down there, Joanna Doan, Paolo Espino, Willie Peralta, Jake Irvin, who's a prospect. Maybe they are ready to give him a shot. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But I'm pretty sure now it's not going to be Abbott. I don't think they would treat that as a bullpen game. You don't, If you don't have to do that, why would you? And it cools on the IL now, so he's going to miss several starts. So you do need an actual starter moving forward. So I don't know which of those guys it's going to be, but I do get the sense they're going to call up somebody else for that game on Wednesday. So the fact that Mason Thompson, who we of course have seen throw multiple innings multiple times this season, was yanked after throwing just 13 pitches on Monday night, that doesn't play into this. You don't think that that has anything to do with Thompson perhaps getting the call for Wednesday night? I don't think so. And here's why. 
let's go back to the beginning of the fifth inning there. And I said it was a 2-1 game as Mackenzie Gore takes the mound. And he's fading. They have Thompson warming up. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they want him to be ready to come in and pitch out of a jam because the game is still winnable. It's close. Now, Davey said afterwards that the plan was that Gore was going to face the first three batters and that was it. After Bellinger, the left-handed hitter, they were going to pull him and bring in Thompson. I think they were hoping it was still a 2-1 game, maybe 3-1, and Thompson could get out of the jam. And maybe you do let him go multiple innings because the game is still winnable. Instead, because of the home run, it's 4-1. We saw the way the lineup was going, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe not. We saw last week in New York, Thompson goes three innings. They need him two days later, and he wasn't as sharp. So I interpreted this as they put him in there because he was already warming up. The game is now not as close as they hoped it would be. Let's pull him now and make sure he's still available either for Tuesday's game or Wednesday's game, whatever it may be, in a close game, not because they need him to be a bulk starter or opener or anything like that. Now, of course, who knows how this all plays out, but I think that was a case of if the game was still two to one, they would leave him in, try to win this one. Once it became four to one, they figured, eh, probably not worth it. Let's hold on to him and see if we can use him in a higher leverage spot the next couple of days. All right, with Chad Cool, and you know, I'm not trying to be funny with this, but you know, I think it's something that you ask. From a baseball perspective, he has really struggled. He gets put on the 15-day IL with this right foot injury. Do you think this is one of these things where they're trying to park him on the IL? I'm not saying they made up the injury, but you know, maybe this is one of these things where they have him, shall we say, take his time on the IL, but this is treated like, you know, Alex Avila's injury in 2021, or even the Corey Dickerson injury this season. I mean, Corey Dickerson has been out for a month now with this calf strain. You know, like you don't hear anything about this guy. But what do you think the thinking truly is internally with Chad Cool? I think they view it as, hey, he is dealing with something legitimate, but it's also something that may not prevent him from throwing to some extent. So maybe let's use this opportunity to get him to work on some stuff and try to figure out what the issue is. Now, I think the telltale sign will be within a few days, is he able to start throwing again? Is he back on a mound in a bullpen session? If that's the case, then they can use this to actually do something. If not, then he could be out for a while. And now you're talking about, well, he hasn't thrown in a couple of weeks, so we got to start building him up again and set him on a rehab assignment and all that. I think that'll be the telltale sign, how that goes. Certainly, it's a way for them and for him to step back, figure some things out, not put him out there on the mound every fifth day when he has been struggling, but also not do anything that would be, you know, kind of cold-hearted to do to him and the situation that he's in right now because he doesn't have options. You know, remember he was on a minor league contract coming into the season. You can't just send him down to AAA to work on things. He would either have to go on the IL or be released and, you know, given what's going on, that would be a pretty cold-hearted move if they released him at this point. One more thing. Carter Keboom news on Monday. He is set to begin a minor league rehab stint, going to be playing for the AA Harrisburg Senators, uh, in case you have lost track of where we are exactly with Carter Keboom. So he underwent Tommy John surgery last year, but he has been out with what has been labeled a right shoulder impingement. He officially has been on the Nats uh, 10-day injured list since March 30th. The Nats on opening day announced having placed a bunch of guys on various injured lists. Among them was Carter Keeboom. He got placed on the 10-day IL with a right shoulder impingement. Any sense on, well, A, how long the uh, rehab assignment will last for? And then B, when the rehab assignment is done, 
I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a given that he gets called up to the major league team. Do you think he will be, or do you think they'll put him somewhere in the minors? No, I think given all the time that he's had off, you know, he had Tommy John surgery almost a year ago and the shoulder stuff, he came back this spring, started throwing and was having arm issues because he hadn't been throwing that much in such a long time. So they had to take a step back, let him build the arm back up. He is finally playing full nine innings at third base in Florida. And now they're saying, okay, he's ready to go on a rehab assignment. So I think the rehab assignment maximum is 20 days for a position player. After that, you're required to activate him. But let's remember this. He does have minor league options. Given all the time that he's missed, the fact that Jamer Candelario is entrenched, I think, at third base for now, I think they will say, hey, go to AAA, be our everyday third baseman. Let's give you a chance just to go play every day and reestablish yourself. And maybe down the road, depending on what happens with Candelario, what the state of the team is on, and how Carter himself performs in the minors, then maybe we'll see him again. But no, I don't think at this point he is just an automatic back on the big league roster once he's officially healthy again. I think it'd be a disservice to him and to the team to do that. He needs time to go play baseball again because he's missed a lot of time. And it's not like he was tearing it up prior to any of that. So maybe for the first time in a while, there isn't this spotlight on Carter Kibum as, oh, hey, you're our third baseman for the long term, the Anthony Rendon's replacement. That's not the case right now. He needs to show that he can be healthy and go be productive someplace playing every day before they ever consider any of that again, I think. It really is something because he was viewed as the Anthony Rendon replacement. And now it's like he's, oh, yeah, that guy. What happened with him? Where are we with him? And, you know, what might we be doing with him as this season goes on? And two points here. One of their top prospects, Brady House, is now a full-time third baseman and tearing it up. In low A ball, he's got a long way to go. He's not the immediate answer there at all. But, you know, it seems pretty clear in the organization's mind that they have a different long-term hope at third base than Carter Keboom. The second part, and this is just a reminder of how everybody heals differently in different time frame. Bryce Harper had Tommy's John surgery after the season. Bryce Harper is going to be activated and make his season debut for the Phillies on Tuesday. Now he's only DHing at this point, but still that's a very quick recovery from the exact same surgery compared to Keboom, who has missed more than a year. Again, Different guys, different bodies, everybody heals differently. I'm not saying that as a knock on Carter Keboom at all, but it is interesting to make that comparison and see how one position player can come back much faster than this one. Certainly different situations and everything, but I do feel like Keboom is going to get more time and they're not going to feel like they have to put him on the big league roster anytime soon. Yeah, and the Brady House thing is significant. He had that like mysterious back injury last season he had fallen out in terms of national perception as a prospect. He is not listed as a top 100 prospect anymore, but he's doing really well so far this season. And uh, the Nationals have named him as the hitter of the month of April uh, for Low A Fredericksburg. So doing well so far. Really good to see. And I think when, whenever the next round of those rankings you know, in season comes out, I think you will see him back up there. Everybody around the sport said, well, hang on, we need to actually see if he's healthy and can he be productive. And yes, he's doing both. That's a great sign for him and for the Nationals. I mean, this is a top 10 draft pick who had huge hopes for him. And last year was kind of a wasted year. Unfortunately, it's really good to see that he is number one healthy and number two raking at low A ball. James Wood was named hitter of the month for high A Wilmington. So the kids are coming along. Very good to see that. 
You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you on board. All kinds of creative ways you can showcase what you do. Uh, email Tim Shovers again, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram too, at NatsChatPodcast. All Nationals radio highlights on NatsChat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan, a salute to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. As he has heard for most of the season, Cody Bellinger hears the MVP chance from what will be 53,000-plus here in Dodger Stadium. Bellinger just 3 for 15 in the series. Hasn't knocked in a run. Knocked in 115 in the regular season. Strasburg had the most wins in the National League with 18. He worked the most innings, 209. And he strikes him out for out number one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.